Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And Peter Dowdell, the irishgardener.com, joining me on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia, and how are you? I'm very well, and I know we've got a wind warning in place, so we've got to be very careful about the gardens uh, today. And actually, there's already a question in to say a big branch broke off a big beech tree, and the listener wants to know, should I paint the wound or leave it alone? There's two schools of thought on it, Trish, and the, the best way kind of that I have to describe that is if you, if, you, if you look at your own skin or if a child gets a cut or something, do you put a plaster on it or not? So it does depend on the cut. So more often than not, okay, let, let's move away from the, our own human anatomy and all back to the tree, is more often than not, if, you, if it's a clean cut, and of course if, the, if it was taken down by nature in a storm, the chances of it being clean are low enough because it, it'll peel, peel the bark and stuff like that. But, but what I'm talking about is, it's allowing the air at it like trees have a remarkable way of helping themselves and nature has this remarkable way as we know of of healing itself so um i a long-winded answer to the question i rarely use any kind of these protective paints and i just let the air at it let it let it callous over uh the, the risk is you see that where there's an open wound that a fungal or a bacterial infection could get in um and you seal it to try and prevent that happening. But unless uh, you could give the you could give the wound a drench with something like copper sulfate mixed with water, which is a, a an organic uh, fungicide, which would hopefully prevent any fungal infections getting in. But I'm not a huge fan of painting it with one of those sealants because it stops the tree from breathing, and it's it's I'd be much more concerned about letting it callous over itself. Okay, just keep keep a close eye uh, on it. And there's a lot of emails in, but there's one lovely email from Margaret to say, uh, Hi Patricia, Monday was International Women's Day and the theme was purple. I took these photos in my garden. The reason I'm sending them to you is to thank Peter Dowdle that thanks to him, I got the confidence to try gardening. I love listening to his tips and encouragement. I'll never get to bloom, but I can look out my window and sit outside and enjoy myself. Uh, thank you, Margaret, uh, for that. And gardening is wonderful for that, isn't it, Peter? That's a lovely email to get. And thank you very much, Margaret. And I'm delighted to, to have inspired even a small bit of confidence in, in and I see the pictures there. It's lovely purple crocus, purple primula and purple heather. It's gorgeous. And, you know, who knows? None of us will get to bloom this year, but who knows? In, in the years to come, Margaret, hopefully you will. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's, it's, gardening is fantastic and it's, it's proved its worth 
to a whole new generation, a whole new group of people over the last 12 months, Trish. I mean, I've, I've obviously always got it, if you like, because I got the bugs since I was a small child, and you like your garden. I do. Uh, and lots of us do, but there's there's a whole group, there's a whole section of the population that uh, have have found a new love of gardening over the last 12 months, and they've seen the, the importance of it, and I'm not even talking from the biodiversity point of view or anything like that, and all the, the other important elements that the gar- our roles that the garden play, but I'm talking about for our own mental health and during the lockdown, having just been able to get out in the garden and touch the soil has been of huge benefit to so many. And introduce children at an early age, I think is so, like what happened with you, the younger you get children involved, they'll develop that love. And actually I was seeing on the papers today, it's research out from Board Bia showing the amount of money that was spent on gardens la- throughout last year, because obviously people had extra cash, people who were normally going away on holidays, or as you say, people who discovered their garden and people spent money, um, jobs that they've been putting on the long finger. It was something like 1.2 billion was spent on gardening last year, according to this research from Board Bia. So I'm not surprised to read that. And isn't that brilliant? Because that's money that's staying in Ireland then as well. And it's going yeah. into a green industry and it's, it's, it's good on so many levels. Absolutely. OK, I'm going to go to the phone lines where Nora joins me from Bishopstown. Uh, good afternoon to you, Nora. Uh, good afternoon, Patricia. Now, you have a question for Peter. This isn't for your house in Bishopstown because it's you want to plant by a house by the sea. Yes. Well, first of all, I'd like to just say I'd like to agree with Barbara Thayer with the email. Peter is a national treasure, really. Ah, isn't that <laughs> lovely to hear, Peter? <laughs> well, thank anyway. you. I'm blushing here, blushing here for you. <laughs> thank you. No, I love your column on the examiner and your uh, take on biodiversity and uh, you're a leader in that field. So, but my question well, to today, hear. Peter, is... Um, I want to cover a wall uh, in a house uh, in uh, South Kerry. Uh, I have two things in mind, a cantoniaster or pyricanta. Which do you think would be the best? Now, some in another garden further back from the sea, some plants were burnt a few years ago and they said it was from the salt. Yes, and... So I'm wondering I, I, which would I be always, the hardiest, the cantoniaster or the pyricanta to... to well, um, well, I suppose the short answer to the question, Nora, is they they will both be hardy and they'll both tick the box for coastal gardening. But but I always shudder when I get a question regarding a garden by the coast because, and I'm not, pardon the pun now, but I'm not hedging the, the question, but it's... Um, it's so trial and error when you're gardening by the coast. So if you put in a plant, let's say in one part of your garden, it might thrive or at least survive, whereas in 10 feet away, it mightn't. It, gardening on the coast can be that trial and error, as I say, or hit and miss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would, for, for against the wall, I'd probably be more inclined to go with the pyrocantha to give you an answer. I'd would be you, more inclined yeah. for a couple of reasons. No, number one, it's more, the cotoneasters would be more a ground cover that you're encouraging to get up the wall. Whereas the pyrocantha will naturally be, you know, it, it just wants the shelter of a wall. It'll, it'll, it's, it's naturally upright in habit. It's yeah. evergreen where the Tony Aster probably won't be. Uh, it, oh, yeah, it's probably, point, actually, I su- yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, they're both much of a muchness in terms of hardiness, but I'd probably go on the pyrocantha being slightly more hardy. Right, and would I buy them in pots rather than bare roots? Okay, I'd say you pots? won't get them. I'd say they'd only come in pots nowadays. Yeah, 99% yeah. of plants will only come in pots. I'd say, yeah, but I mean, yeah. if it was a choice, yeah, I, I, the, the pot would probably be a stronger okay. plant. And what anyway. would be the best time, Peter? Uh, when you're planting from a pot, you could do it any time, really, 12 months right. of the year. So you could do it now, but obviously it's beyond your 5K, so you can't do it now. So the oh, most no, important no, thing is no. when you do do it, 
yeah. when you do do it is that you, you you're nearby for the first few weeks or months that you can give it water alright oh, yeah. ok good luck That's with that great. Nora and yeah, thanks thanks, Laura, thanks a million ok let me go to some emails that have come in Mick from Cork sent on photographs and everything and we've sent the photographs on to Peter it's uh, starting with the Grisolinia hedge uh, this past summer winter three of the hedges have been hit with sections dying the hedges are approximately 50 plus years old five years ago I cut them back a fair bit and they came on great however suddenly there appears with seven sections dying back do you think it could be it would be a waste of time to replace as this could happen again and he's attached photographs of the dead parts Grisolinia hedge it just it just goes to show Trish the importance of sending a photograph because when I was reading it I was saying that sounds like like something like Phytophthora or one of these fungal infections but but now that I see the photographs, I'm not so sure. Um, I'm wondering, and I'd like to ask Mick, what time? Of, he says he cut them back hard about three years ago. So I'd, it could be a fungal problem, but I'm just not 100% looking at the photograph. What I'd like to ask him is what time of the year did he cut it back? Because I think it might have been a bit cold and he might have cut them back a bit too hard. That's what it looks like to me. Now, when you do that, what it does is one of two things. It can just lead to the, the plant being more susceptible to the cold temperatures, but also can weaken the plant, which will allow infection in. OK, so it could have been one of those. Um, my, my gut looking at the photograph is saying it's, it's as you if you see the photograph there, yeah. it's a very, very thick, mature hedge. So my gut is telling me that those I, I, I'd leave well alone is what I'm trying to say. Maybe just give it a good feed for the moment. Um it, to, to see if the bits that are now brown will actually regenerate and green up. And I think even if they don't, that there's enough growth in the rest of the hedge to fill the gaps all on their own. So I, I, I would leave it for a few months, give it a feed with the Nature Safe seaweed, the Atlantic seaweed one, see if growth comes on again on the brown areas. If it doesn't, then just maybe cut them down to ground level or dig them out. I'd say just cut them down to ground level. And I think that hedge will fill in all on its own without the need for new ones. If the problem gets worse, uh, then it's nothing to do with the pruning. Then we do have a fungal infection. But just judging from those photographs, I think it might come come okay all on its own. Fingers crossed. And Mick also sent yes. in a picture uh, from the archway to the garden. It's a jasmine yes. climber, climber and all the leaves are covered in black, so she likes substance. What could be going on there? It is. And it's, it's a very, uh, very kind of timely question it's a thing called sooty mold trish and again if you can see the picture it's it's very um it's very descriptive term for what it is it looks like the plant has been covered in soot from the chimney mm. uh, and what causes that it, it's it, the black is the fungal infection fungal spores but the actual main culprit here is a little scale insect which is a, a, a sap sucker which sticks to the underside of the leaf i actually did a facebook post on it there on my own page irish gardener about a week ago so if anybody wants to have a look at it you'll see i, I describe how to how, and i show different pictures of it so uh, except it's on a choice yeah and that in my picture not on this jasmine um but what so what you want to do is you need to control the sap sucker the the scale insect which is overwintering on the leaves and as the the, the female at this time of the year she secretes this sticky like sticky honeydew type of secretion uh, onto the leaves and then the black fungus spores stick to that so you need to take care of the scale insect first so i'm not going to be uh, advising anybody to rush out there with a nasty insecticide but what you can do if you get yourself a, a product it's grazers is the brand name grazers as in grazing the field so grazers um they do a, a product for uh, cabbage white butterfly and caterpillars uh, but it also works on all sap sucking insects like scale insects and what it is these are these are environmentally sound gardening products trish that 
they, they, they work on different formulations of calcium to make the plants completely unpalatable to different ranges of insects, everything from rabbits and deers down to scale insects, so different formulations of, of, of calcium. Uh, they're excellent range of products. So I would get yourself the grazers uh, repellent for, for cabbage whitefly caterpillars and aphids. That will work to, to get the, the scale insects off the plant. Once they're gone, then you treat the plant with a solution of copper sulfate and water, which is an organic fungicide, which I mentioned earlier, uh, and that will take care of the black on the leaf. Now, the black won't immediately or magically disappear and clean itself off, but your new growth will be clean, which is what's important. OK, and then Mick's final question, and I think a number of people will be interested in this one. It's to do with hanging baskets. And is it necessary to replace in the soil in large hanging baskets and large pots? Is it necessary to do it every year for some bedding plants? It seems like a little bit of a waste to Mick and uh, he's wondering could he just top it up or uh, and put in a feed or does he have to clear it all out and start all over again every year? I'm going to say yes. If you want the textbook answer, I'm going to say yes, you do need to. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, uh, a pot filled with bedding plants, uh, the, the compost in that becomes spent and becomes kind of, you know, empty of nutrients, if you like, after that first year. Um so there's no nutrient availability in that compost for year two. Now, you can stay on top of it with feeding, but I'd be more inclined to, you know, he does refer to the cost and the amount of work involved in doing this every year. But cost can be negated by creating your own compost, Trish, and you can make your own compost very, very easily. And now that they've stopped taking peat from the bogs, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to have peat compost available in the gardening world anymore which on the one hand is absolutely fantastic, but on the, the other hand, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare because there isn't any, there, isn't a, 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 there aren't brilliant substitutes except making your own compost, which is becoming more and more essential now. So make your own compost. You have the raw materials, you have kitchen scraps, you have garden scraps, everything that's biodegradable and compostable can go into it. We might talk more about that in another date as to how to create your own compost. But it, the, the, the first reason you want to, to change the compost in your pot is because, as I say, the, the nutrients are all gone. But also there could be pests, there could be like vine weevil grubs or anything in, in that old compost. Um, and then if you plant new plants into it, of course, you're just giving them a, giving them a meal. So yeah, I, I'm afraid you, you should change it every year. Sorry for the bother, Nick. And James sends in a lovely, another lovely email for you saying, really enjoy your gardening segment every week and I really enjoyed your presentation at Bloom in 2019. Uh, James says, it seems like a different world back then. Hopefully we'll see those days again. I'm trying to be more environmentally friendly when it comes to my grass and ever since you mentioned Nature Safe Lawn Feed, I've been trying to buy it here in West Cork. However, it's not easy to get. Do you know of any outlet in West Cork that sells it? Any of the garden centres that I've tried in the area do not stock it. Is it hard to get the nature safe that you're always I'm, talking about? I'm quite, I'm kind of smelling a rat today, Trish. Everybody's sending me in such compliments and such nice comments. <laughs> I'm going, what's going to happen next? <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, and I actually replied to James earlier because John Paul sent me on the, the email, so I replied to him that I don't know, obviously, because I can't speak for nature safe as to where it's available, but. Uh, it should be in most gardens. It was it's an Irish product it's from Galway. I do, in a blatant plug for myself and my own online business, I do sell it online on the irishgardener.com. Now, as I explained to James earlier, unfortunately, we're out of it temporarily, but I do hope to have it back uh, within the next few days, back available on the site. But I would have thought, I mean, and that's fine, and we'll deliver it if you want to buy it online, and it will deliver it wherever you want. But uh, I would have thought most 
garden centres would have it. If, if not, ask for it because they should have it. Mm. It's an organic product. It's Irish and it's it's very, very good. And I can't see any reason why they wouldn't have an Irish organic gardening product on the shelves. OK, let me try and run through some questions. Uh, Peter, can, is it now a good time to put farm manure around roses? Yes, yes. A very quick answer to that one. Yes, get it on. You could get it on any time during the winter, but it will help. Yes. Listener says, my lawn is looking a bit run down at the moment. Would it be OK to put brown gold on it now? Brown gold. I, I'm guessing they mean, I'm guessing she mean, he or she means lawn gold, not yeah. brown gold. And it's probably I would yeah, say yes. predictive text. Yeah. Yeah, I would say yes. From middle of March onwards, yes. Hi, uh, Peter. I got a 1kg bag of copper sulphate, blue stone. What do I add to it to make it a spray for fruit tree fungus? Okay, no, it depends on the strength of the copper sulphate in that if you get it from an ag store like that. So I'm not I'm not a chemist, so I'm no expert and I'm not going to pretend to be. But I know that the ones that you get in garden centres, you mix at 35 grams to one and a half litres of water. So the answer to the question is you add water to it and you make it a solution with water. But at what rate for the one that you've got, I don't know. Uh, I know the garden centre product that you get, which is more of a powder than a crystal, is uh, 35 grams to a litre and a half of water. And here's a question that could be, uh, a couple of other people could be having the same issue. Could you ask Peter, please, what would you recommend for daffodils that are very, very slow to bloom every year? It's almost the end of April before they open up. The problem is that the grass is almost as high as the daffodils and then they look very unsightly. My husband is completely frustrated this year and he's threatening to get out with the lawnmower. I can't really blame him. Could it just be the variety of daffodils? Are there late bloomers? Oh, absolutely. In the same way that we can't be having frustrated husbands. That's the first thing that really we need to, <laughs> we need to find that. Uh, so the, uh, the, the, in the same way that there are early flowering varieties, some which will flower kind of late November and December, there are late flowering varieties, which, yeah, we keep you going right into April. So I suspect that's what it is. I suspect it's just a, a later flowering variety. Um, but the other thing is, I mean, I understand the frustration, but... I suppose in a, in a way, maybe it's just to recalibrating our, 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 our perception of what is clean and tidy and beautiful. You know, so what if there's a bit of long grass for an extra month? Um, but but if it is wrecking your head completely, I would say maybe take them up and maybe put in a, an earlier flowering variety. Um, what's it? Dutch Master is a very good, just simple yellow daffodil that would be in flower around this time of the year. In fact, I was admiring them only last weekend. I was in Tremor Valley Park with the kids and there's a gorgeous, as always, there's a gorgeous display of, of yellow daffodils outside. And uh, I think fairly sure that's Dutch Master or Carlton, which would both be in flower during March. I love them. They're absolutely my favourite flower. And can I just compliment Mary and Skibbereen who sent on a picture saying, this is my Christmas Ponsettia from 2017 <laughs> that my dear brother gave me. I cut it back early in January every year into my sheer sheer delight and happiness the new leaves are always so red I love it and it is now it's not as full as you would when you'd buy the Ponsettia all the green leaves are gone but she's got these really vivid bright red leaves Uh, they're they're fantastic okay listen as always pleasure Um, we'll talk to you again next week Peter Look forward to it. And as I say, Trish, on Friday uh, on Facebook, on the Irish Garden at one o'clock, I'm doing a live questions and answers every Friday. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be joined by Charles Dowding, who a lot of people will know. He, he's uh, a very famous proponent of the no dig movement in the UK. So he'll be joining us to, to answer questions on vegetable gardening. I'll talk more about that next week. Chris. OK, Thanks. enjoy. Thanks a million. That's uh, Peter Dowd of the IrishGardener.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.